Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Ashley Hollis. Dear God, we just thank you for meeting us in this place today. God, I thank you for meeting us in every home, every car, every workplace. God, that your presence goes before us and it fills us and it fills our spaces. God, right now, I pray that the word that you've put in my heart, God, I pray that it be your words, not my words. I pray that you would open every heart, open every ear to hear what you have to say, open every eye to see the world as for you to have you have for us to see it. God, we just thank you. We thank you for what you've done in this season. God, we thank you for what you've given us as a break over this holiday time. And God, right now, as we go into this new, fresh year, I pray that you would speak faith and hope. God, I pray that you would bring us exactly where you want each of us to be today. We trust this service into your hands. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Change Church Online. I am so thrilled to be sharing with you today. While we are online, we've taken these few weeks to be online. We've been working through some things as a church, but it is going to be an incredible year. I love the new year. I love what it represents. I am a huge dreamer. I am a huge visionary. And so I love that holiday break to take time, pause everything that was, and look ahead to everything that is going to be. And so we actually just got back this week from Colorado. We went out and we saw my family in Kansas City, and then we went out to Colorado and went skiing, and it was incredible. Um, we got caught in a blizzard. We attempted to learn how to put chains on tires and drive up mountains, and it was all the excitement, all the memories. It was crazy. But it was such a good time to just get away. And I love being in the mountains. There is something so nostalgic to me about being in the mountains. I grew up, you may or may not know, in Kansas City. And so from when I was three years old till now, um, I grew up skiing in Colorado. And so my dad used to take our church over and we would go skiing every spring break. And so it was all the memories I have of my family and a friend skiing on spring break over my birthday. And it was always so much fun. And so for me, when we drive from Kansas City to Colorado and we drive through western Kansas and it's so flat and there is absolutely nothing for a bajillion miles. And then we get to Colorado and it's like when you see it, it's like you see the mountains and it is so breathtaking. It's my favorite thing to drive to. And then you get to Denver and then you drive across the pass into the mountains and into the ski resorts and I love that. I always have loved it because of the memories that it was. But I think as I've gotten older and as I've really studied the Bible and studied God meeting with his people, there's something so special about God meeting with us in nature. And believe you me, I love living in the city. I can't imagine living anywhere else. 
But there is something so special about getting out into nature and experiencing God's presence. And when we ski and it's just quiet or you're hearing the wind blow or, you know, just snow's coming down and there's just something so incredible. And so we have really loved that time with our family, getting away, getting to just chill and getting to hear God and say, God, what is next? What do you have for us? I don't just want a good year. I don't just want the next thing and the next dream that I can come up with. God, I want you to call me into where you want me to go. Call me into the unknown. Call me into sacrificial giving. Call me into friendships that you're building. Call me into plans and dreams that are scary, but that you're calling me to. And so that's really what we took time to do over this holiday break. We have missed everyone so much. It feels like forever since we've all been together in December. And it's actually wild to me to think that we went, right? Like 55 weeks, 56 weeks, I don't remember what it was, without being all together. Now only two or three feels so long. But I can't wait. I'm excited to tell you what is coming up. Hey, we have some exciting news that I have the privilege and honor of sharing with you today. Elijah um, shared a little bit of it last Sunday, and we've shared a little bit internally with our dream team and, and core um, members of the church over the past month. But this past week, we signed a lease on a new building that is going to be home, and we are going to be able to meet there as change. And it is absolutely incredible. I just, I need you to get so excited, okay? Because we have been praying for over a year. God, where do you have for us to be? And we have moved, and some of you have been with us through every last one of those transitions. My goodness, we've gone, we were incredibly blessed to meet at Punchline for our first two and a half years. And the team at Live Nation is the most phenomenal team. We're so grateful for them. And we met there for the first two and a half years. And then the pandemic hit and we went online. And then we were blessed to be able to meet at Warehouse on Watts. Um, Gavin allowed us to meet there earlier in 2021 which is where our youth had been meeting for takeover. And so we were able to meet there for a little while. And then we went back to Punchline and that was amazing. And then we pivoted to Brunch Church and we did Brunch Church and we've done watch parties and we've been online and we have done all the things. But we are so excited to have signed um, long-term to be at a location right here off of 5th and Gerard. And it is an incredible warehouse space. You are going to be so amazed. I can't wait for every last one of you to walk through it and pray over it and fill that space. There is an incredible cafe, a lobby. There's already studios and video rooms and production rooms. There's rooms that we're going to use for children. There's a massive warehouse space, which will be where we can meet for our main services. There's a space off to the side where we can have about 100 to 120 youth in that space. There's a room for mothers. It is going to be phenomenal. So get excited for what's coming in 2022. It is going to be wild. It is going to be uncharted territory. It is going to be amazing what we've been blessed with. But it's also going to take 
all of us. And I want to kick off today. I want to dive into Nehemiah. You know, Elijah shared last Sunday about the promises of God and claiming those promises of God over our lives. And I hope you've done that this week because do you know this year can be the best year of your life if you grow, if you grab hold of those promises of God, if you dive into the word of God, and if you say, I'm going to do things I've never done, then I promise you, you're going to see things you've never seen. That doesn't mean it's going to be the easiest year of your life, but it means it's going to be the best year of your life. Those are the times that I've grown the most. Those are the times that I look back and I say, wow, I'm not the same person on December 31st that I was on January 1st. But you know what? It's incredible what God can do when we make ourselves available, when we prepare ourselves mentally. We get ourselves ready. We say, God, I want to hear what you're saying. I want to see things through your eyes. And so I want to kick off today as we go into this new space. We are going to go into painting. We are going to be setting furniture. We are going to be cleaning this space up. It is going to be incredible. Hey, I'm so grateful. We don't have to do any building. Oh my goodness. I am so, so grateful that we blessed with this incredible building. But today I want to jump into Nehemiah and I want to read Nehemiah. I'm actually very excited. I just got a brand new journaling Bible, which I am so excited about. Actually, my Bible that I got whenever I was in sixth grade, I had this blue Bible that I got when I was in sixth grade, and it actually just fell apart this past year at the very end of the year. So I was like, okay, it's time to get a new Bible. Now all my pages are falling out and everything. And so I'm excited to journal through this one. But today I want to kick us off talking about Nehemiah. I want to challenge us to be people like Nehemiah. I love the story of Nehemiah, and I love what he accomplishes. I love that he's a go-getter. I love that he's strategic. I love that he's a leader. He's wisdom-filled. He is so many things that I respect as a leader after God's heart. But today, I want to start us off and, and kind of give the history of Nehemiah. Give the history. Bring us up to speed. You know that I love my history lessons. That's probably where Zion gets it. And so I love to see where we're at in the story before we jump in. So if you would, you can open your Bible to Nehemiah 1. That's where we're going to start reading today. Maybe you have your Bible. Maybe you want to go grab it or grab your journal, take notes, paper never forgets. But we are going to kick off in Nehemiah 1. But before we get started with that, can we just take a minute and look back at where Nehemiah finds himself, okay? And so if you know the story of Nehemiah, maybe you've heard it before, maybe you haven't. Nehemiah is an incredible biblical leader, okay? And he finds himself as cupbearer to the king, and Jerusalem has been destroyed. The wall is crumbled. The gates have been burned. Everything is destroyed in his homeland. And he finds out about this, and he is absolutely devastated inside. You see, what happened is the people were taken into Babylonian captivity, okay? And so they, the um, people were taken from Israel into captivity, and then a remnant remains. These people that God has promised, these are God's people, 
this remnant is returned back to Jerusalem. And so they begin to rebuild the temple, but they haven't rebuilt the walls around the city. And today, I kind of want to change our focus about walls. Because I think that oftentimes in our society, right, nowadays, we think of walls as terrible things. We think of walls as, why would you build a wall and not a bridge? I was always raised by my parents, build more bridges and less walls. Let's not put up walls to divide. You believe one way and I believe one way. Let's build bridges to say, where are you at and where am I at? And how can we get there together? And so I think in our society, we look at walls as something to be broken down, something to be torn down. We look at it and say, well, that is a wall around you. Well, you're separating yourself. And so I want to kind of remove that. If you can kind of take off maybe your 21st century view of walls and let's step back into biblical history where we find ourselves in Nehemiah's time. Because you see, in that time, the lack of walls left the people in the city defenseless. You see, when you would go to a city, you would look at the walls around the city. And when you looked at the walls around the city, it spoke to the city that was in those walls. It spoke to the people that were in those walls. And it also spoke to the God of those people. And so the walls were something that when they were destroyed, number one, you're not safe. Number two, it's a little bit from my little bit of history studies, it's a little bit of a shameful thing that you can't defend your own city. You have nothing to show for who you are as a people in your city. And so this is where we find the people in Jerusalem. And so I want to read, if you would, turn with me to Nehemiah 1. And I want to read this, and we find ourselves with Nehemiah's prayer. And it says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and his gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you 
redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. You see, we find Nehemiah. And I want to stop there. I love the book of Nehemiah. And Elijah is going to really dig into this next Sunday. But in the book of Nehemiah, we watch this man who's just a normal man. He's a cupbearer to the king, right? He's not in a special ministry place. He's not been given anything special that we may say we have to do or we have to be this or we have to be able to. He finds himself as a cupbearer to the king. He finds himself in the right place at the right time. Some people would call it coincidence. I would call it God's will. I would say God had designed for him to be at this place. And then he had this conversation with his brother to say, tell me about what's going on in Jerusalem. And then upon that conversation, he had a softened heart. You see, Nehemiah is a humble servant of God. I love that before this book gets into his leadership, before it gets into his vision, before it gets into the fact that he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days, before it gets to the point where he's leading people through rebuilding walls and a famine and everything that might be hitting them, before all of that leadership, He's a man of prayer. He's a man who, who calls himself a servant of God. God, would you turn your ear and turn your eye to my prayers? The Bible says that he fasted and prayed and wept over the things that broke God's heart. And so today, I want to dive in as we start this new year as we start this incredible journey ahead for our church, hey, maybe you've been a part of change for a while. Maybe you're just now jumping in. My goodness, what an exciting time to dive in to what God wants to do. This is going to be incredible. And I believe that we're going to build something special. Elijah and I could not be more thrilled about what God has blessed us with. We believe that it has been hours and hours of prayer and fasting and believing for what God has and listening to him and accepting the closed doors and looking ahead to the open doors. That's what God's will is. It's being just as grateful for the closed doors as we are for the open doors. And some of us need to take that into this year. Some of us need to take that and say, wow, God, I'm grateful for where you've placed me for this open door. And then I'm grateful for what you've closed that door. If you change that perspective going into this year, I promise you, you will see God do incredible things. But you see, we see Nehemiah. We see him as a layman who had been given favor. He had a softened heart to be sensitive to what God called him to do. Can I encourage you this year? Where God has placed you is exactly where he wants you. He has given you access. He has given you wisdom. He has given you skills. He has given you resources. So many things he has given you for the plan that he has for you. 
God has a plan for each of our lives. It's in your business. It's in your family. It's in every area in your relationships. It is in every area. And I want to ask you today, have you taken time as we've kicked off this new year? Have you taken time to sit? And as Nehemiah said, to pray and to weep and to fast over what you've heard of what God wants to do, over what you've heard of God's people. You know, as I began to study Nehemiah, I think it's where we find ourselves. Maybe you find yourself going into 2022, and maybe you're so excited, but it's also hard to move into it. If I can be totally honest with you, I took a little bit of time and um, we were quarantined over Christmas. That's why we just got back. We ended up with COVID here um, over Christmas. And so actually one of my friends had come to visit and got quarantined with us. So we all had these 10 or two weeks, I don't know how long it was, um, to be here. And, And so I was sitting and I was chatting with her that Sunday that Elijah had shared on December 26th. And I just was, I was just sitting here and as a family, we were talking, what is God calling us to do? What's coming next? We were excited about the building. We were still working through lease negotiations. And so we were finding ourselves in the middle of that. And I remember sitting and just chatting with her and being like, wow, Sarah, it's so crazy. She was like, you know, what's next? What are you praying through? What are you looking forward to? And I said, you know, I'm having to get myself in that place to dream again. These past two years, I've seen God move. I've seen him do incredible things. I've seen God bless the church. I've experienced his presence and provision like I never have before. I've seen him bless our business and our teams. And I've seen so many different things. But at the same time, I had to get myself back in the space to dream again to look forward because it felt like so many things had hit. I had reacted. I hadn't dreamed proactively. And I felt like this was a moment where God was calling me to say, Ashley, just pause. Just pause. I'm such a go-getter. I mean, I always have 90 things on my list, not because I have to, because I love to. I love to accomplish. I love to be a go-getter. But I felt this Christmas break like God was saying, Ash, just pause and just hear me. And I began to steady Nehemiah. And as Elijah and I prayed, and as we began to pray going into this new building, we said, God, what do you have for us? Show us. Show us what's to come. You know, it's incredible. The walls of a city, those walls back, back in biblical times, those walls of a city provided security. They provided a place of shelter. They formed a sense of belonging. They were structures that protected in those times around the city. Can I just tell you, I believe that that's what God wants to do through us as a church. It's not about four walls of a building. That's what's beautiful is the church is us. We are the church and that's God in us. But I believe that these walls, I believe that this space that we've been blessed with, that God wants this to be a place that offers structure, that offers a sense of belonging, that offers a sense of safety. And you know what it takes? It takes us pausing and hearing like God hears. Not hearing frustration from coworkers, not hearing panic from those we work with, 
not hearing fear from family members. Yeah, that might be what they're saying. But, you know, my parents always told me, Ashley, there's a story behind a story. And I was always raised to pause and say, what are they processing through? Am I taking the, am I the punching bag right now for something that's going on deep inside of them? You know, that's my prayer because I look back and I look at every time I've come to God and I look at every medical, you know, issue that I've had to walk through and I look at financial uncertainty in those situations that I've had to walk through and I look through the times of risk and the times that I've, you know, stepped out and taken a risk and it hasn't gone like I look like I thought it would and I look at those moments and I remember when I would ask God, God, what happened? God, why? And I would just sit and I would say, God, what's going on? But can I invite you to sit and pause? Because when I ask God, what's going on? What's happening? What did I do wrong? What's going on here? It wasn't me upset with him. It wasn't. It was my fear. It was my humanity coming out, the beauty of humanity feeling all emotions at the same time. Come on, somebody. You know you've been there. You feel joy and you feel pain and you feel excitement and you feel all this at once. And I wonder what would happen if we stepped back as a people of God, as individual men and women after God's heart. If going into this next season, we step back and said, God, allow me to hear as you hear. God, allow me to speak with your words. God, allow me to see as you would see. You know, it's time for us to take off those filtered glasses, take off the glasses of fear, the glasses of, oh, I have to watch out for, or that person probably said, or last time I did that, they, and it's taking off those glasses and saying, God, how do you want me to love my neighbor? How do you want me to trust? How do you want me to encourage? What do you want me to do? Because can I tell you, friends, we can have all the dreams. We can have all the New Year's resolutions. We can draw up all the plans, and we can choose all the paint colors, and we can pick the most epic furniture. But if we don't lead this next season in fasting and prayer, then we've done our plans not God's plans. And the most beautiful thing about Nehemiah is that he comes to God and in his fasting and prayer, he does a couple things. Number one, he comes forward and he acknowledges his past sin. You know what I love is Nehemiah comes and he acknowledges his sin. He says, as I have and my father's family, as we have treated you, as we have acted towards you, he acknowledges it, not in a woe is me, I'm never capable, I'm down in the dirt person. No, but he acknowledges it to say, God, I know what we did and I know the repercussions for that. But God, you also said and you also promised and Nehemiah moves to the future. He says, I know that the way we acted deserves this. But God, you also promised that if we came to you and if we humbled ourselves, then you would. What would happen today if at the end of this service, you acknowledged who you are and what you've done, but you also looked ahead to the future, 
all those promises that God gave us last week as Elijah was talking, every last promise that Elijah shared with us from God's word that he wrote in his Bible for your life and for mine. What would happen if I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that over this last year, maybe I've had some moments lacking trust. God, I'm sorry that there have been some moments that I was short-tempered. There were some moments that I lost focus, and there were some moments that I got a little bit off-centered. And God, I know what that means. But God, I also know that you promised that when I put my trust in you, God, you also promised that when my family does this, then you will. God, you also promised. And what if I took a moment and I said, you know what? This may have been where I was. And this may have been how I acted. But God, that was the old me. This is the new me. You know, I read a quote the other day that said, it's okay to be a different version of yourself. And for me, that was so freeing because I know sometimes I hear, oh my word, you've changed. Oh my word, remember when you used to. Oh my word, Ash, this used to be. And you know what? I will own that. I will own who I used to be. I will own what I have done in the past. I will acknowledge my mistakes. But can I tell you, I've decided those aren't going with me into my future. That's not going to be who I am in 2022. That's not how I'm going to act. That's not what I'm going to say. That's not what I'm going to claim over my life. Because today is a day I get to decide my future. And I want to invite you today, individually you, not your whole family, not us as Change Church. I'm inviting you to say, God, this is what I used to do. And maybe you need to take a few moments at the end of this service. Maybe you need to take a few moments and say, God, can you reveal to me? Maybe what are the things that I did that have blocked me growing with you? But God, what are the promises that you want to speak over my life? You know, when my kids were very, very little, um, we have an incredible uncle, Elijah's uncle, Paul and his aunt Robin, and they are just phenomenal, have been incredible voices in our life, and they have spoken such truth to us from day one, and I'm so incredibly grateful for who they have been um, as foundational voices in our life, and so when we had our kids, and they were really little, I remember going to Paul and Robin, and some of you may remember they actually came and did a parenting workshop at the church because they were so instrumental in our children's lives. I remember um, when Zion was born, every child is different. And so when Zion was born, we could tell him no, and he would never do it again. And when Ane was born, she was very strong-willed. And so um, we would tell her no, and she would just keep doing it. And I knew that if we channeled that will, she would change the world. There is not a doubt in my mind that that girl is going to change the world. I truly believe that what's my ceiling will be her floor. Like she will just skyrocket. But there were these moments where we really had to work with our kids because they did not want to say 
they were sorry. And I remember talking, Elijah and I, and I remember talking to different people, and I believe we were talking to Paul and Robin about this. And you know why it's so important for children to be able to say they're sorry? It's not a shameful thing. I don't want to put them down. It's not that they're getting terribly disciplined. It's because it's a spiritual practice. Because the Bible says that we have to acknowledge our sins, believe in our heart that Christ rose from the dead, confess that, and he is Lord. That is salvation. And so it is critical for us as men and women of God to acknowledge where we've been, to believe who Jesus Christ is, and to confess him as Lord of our life as we move into the future. It is deciding, saying, hey, I'm sorry for this. Maybe you've never taken time to do that before. Can I tell you it's easy? Can I tell you sit down, go to Spotify, search worship 2021. It's a great playlist. Put it on in your house and just ask God, God, who do you want me to be? And I can tell you right now that down in your heart of hearts, God will always speak to you. Maybe there were some things that held you back. And oh, you know how simple it is? It's saying, God, you know what? That thing that I did, who I was, what I said, how I made someone feel, God, I don't want to do that anymore. So forgive me of all that. And God, now show me your promises. Now you want to do this? Dig into your Bible. You want to know an easy way? Start searching. We have this great Google search engine. Get on and say, what are God's promises in the Bible? And you're going to see a long list of scriptures, of God's promises over your life to take into this next year. I believe that God has something huge for each of us. But it starts being humble men and women of God on our faces, on our knees, as Nehemiah was, humbling ourselves, praying, seeking God. And you know what's incredible after that? As you continue reading through Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1 ends with that verse that said, the sentence that says, I was cupbearer to the king. And then in chapter 2, we see Nehemiah go into King Artaxerxes. And this was the king that he was the cupbearer for. And he went into him, and he was sad, and the king had never seen him sad before. And he said, what's going on? And Nehemiah said, here is what I've heard of my people. Here's how my people are living. And the king said, then what do you need? And he said, if it suits the king, would you send me? And also, would you give me papers to give me the right of passage through these lands that I'm going to go to? And would you also give me these papers that I'm going to need for resources? You know what he did? He knew exactly what he was going to need to accomplish God's will. Why? Because he started everything out in prayer. He started everything with prayer and fasting. Listen, God has huge plans for each of our lives. I believe God wants to bless in relationships. I believe that God wants to pour out on each of us in everyday decisions. I believe that he wants to strengthen family relationships. I believe that there are some of you that are praying for children that you've been praying for for years. I believe that this is a year you hold on to praying for their hearts to turn to the Father. I believe that this is 
is a year that we are going to see friends that we've been praying for. We're going to see a harvest of souls. We are going to see, as I described within walls, security and belonging and people who are going to find God's love. Maybe people who have been hurt, maybe words that have been spoken over you. This is going to be a year that you have life and life to the fullest. This is going to be a year that you step out in faith and you step out in boldness. And I believe that this is going to be a year that God is going to elevate you wherever you find yourself. I know that there are some of us that God has called us to do huge things. Maybe he's given you a prompting in your heart that like, wow, that's scary. I mean, yeah, I trust you, God, but like being that bold or giving like that or hiring like that or trusting like that. I mean, that's scary. I believe that there's some of us that find ourselves there. And that's why I want to start this whole year off with fasting and prayer. You know, next week we're actually going to be gathering again together. And as we go into this building, listen, we are going to cover the walls. We're going to write scriptures on them. Before we ever cover it with paint, we're going to cover these walls with scripture. Why? Because this is going to be a space that the community can come encounter God's love. This is going to be a space that families are restored, that marriages are built, that foundations are set in children's lives. This is going to be a space that the youth are going to come and that Doc and Kirby and their teams are going to be able to speak life into these youth. This is going to be a space that's going to be a creative hub. It is going to be incredible. But before all of that, we're going to cover this space with prayer. We're going to cover this space with scriptures. Why? Because in July, when you see God do that miracle that you've been believing and trusting and fasting for, I want you to be able to walk over to the wall and say, this is where I wrote that. And you know what? For me personally, when I see my neighbors and my friends' lives transformed, you know what I want to be able to do? And it can make me cry. I want to be able to walk them over to the walls. And I want to say, this is where I prayed. This is where I prayed and believed that God would absolutely bless you, that you would encounter the love of God. And I want to walk somebody over to the wall and I want to say, this is where we prayed for freedom. And this is where we claim that over your life. And when I have friends who are business leaders and they see God show up like they never could have imagined during these past few years, and they held on by a thread, and maybe they didn't have a lot of hope, and it was one of those, like, you know, you speak the faith, the speak the truth in love, and my dad always says, sometimes you speak a hope in love, like you just got to speak it out, you know? Maybe they found themselves there, and I want to walk them over, and I want to say, listen, this is where I wrote that scripture. This is where I prayed that God would bless you, that God would provide for you. That's what we're going to have the opportunity to do. And so as we go into this, and, and next Sunday, as Elijah shared, next Sunday, we are going to kick off fasting and prayer. We're going to kick all of that off, a 21-day fast. And so in this week leading up to that, I want to challenge you with two things. As Nehemiah started with prayer and fasting, I want to challenge you, number one, to name your fast. What are you fasting for? Maybe you want to do this as a family. Maybe you want to do this as an individual. 
Maybe you want to get together with some of your friends and say, hey, what are you naming your fast? What is God calling you to do? What are you believing for? Hey, parents, I want to encourage you, get your children involved. Our kids are 8 and 10, and they are a part of this fast with us every time we do it. From day one, when we fasted and prayed over moving into Philadelphia and launching this church, our kids were a part. Why? Do they fast food? No, they don't. Do they fast other things? Yeah. Do they give up certain technology? And they get the choice. Hey, I'm going to tell you, parents, we do not tell them this is what you have to do and this is what. No, this is not a religion. This is a relationship thing. And so we say to our kids, hey, fasting is giving something up so that you can seek God in a new way. It's giving something up so that you can pray for your friends, for those who are on your basketball team, for the kids you play with in the park, or the neighbors that you love to hang out with. That's what a fast is. What do you want to give up? What does that look like for you? And you know what? Sometimes it's all different. You guys may know uh, Leticia, who lives with us. She's from Brazil. Last year, Ane wanted to give up all American food. She wanted to only eat Brazilian food during this fast. And we said, okay, you go for it. You can do that. And so she chose what she was going to give up. So I want to challenge you. Number one, name your fast. What are you believing God to do? Write that down. Journal it. Because paper never forgets. And I love to look back on my prayer journal. It's like a manager. It's looking back and saying, I prayed for this and I saw God do it. And it's going to give me faith for the next step. Because it's going to be scary. And it's going to be hard. But I know that he's going to do it. And the second thing is, begin to pray about what you're going to fast. What are you going to give up? You can look this up. We have an information sheet that we're going to send out this week via email. And so if you are not on our email list, make sure you fill out that Digital Connect card so that you get these emails. But we're going to send something out about fasting. Maybe you want to fast social media. Maybe you want to fast television. Maybe you want to fast food. Maybe you want to fast up until lunch. Maybe you want to do what's called a Daniel's fast. And so that would be fruits and veggies and nuts. Maybe you want to fast different things. There is no right or wrong. And see, that's the beauty of God. It's not a religion to say you have to do this. It's a choice. Saying right now, what do you have that you're going to say, hey, I need to lay this down so that I can put more focus on what God wants to speak to me. It's incredible to me when I fast and I cut out all the noise. Anytime I fast social media, it's unreal what I get out of my life. I get out all the junk, all the he said, she said, they reported on, all of it out, so that I can just focus, God, what do you want me to do? What are you calling me to do? Not what I'm reading, not what am I scrolling past, not what is this person doing or what is that person doing, but God, what do you want me to do? And you know, that's what we see of Nehemiah. We see that as he humbled himself, he began to align himself with God's plan. And he aligned himself with this so that he could go be the leader he was called to be. When he went and when he led the rebuilding of the walls, you know, it wasn't all easy. Actually, they had people coming against them. And so he had to say, hey, half of us are going to build and half of us are going to stand guard. 
And then there was the famine. And so people were saying, hey, we had to sell everything. We had to give everything just to be able to eat. And so he's reshaping that. I mean, it was one thing after another. Maybe you feel that today. Maybe you feel like these past couple years, it's been one thing after another that has hit you from all sides. But can I tell you if you'll back it up a little bit? Before you try to make decisions, before you try to set goals and resolutions and do everything that you think you need to do, what if you started with fasting and praying? What if you started saying, God, what's your will for my life? What is my part? As we go into this building, what is your part? You know, the people worked on what was in front of them. That's what Nehemiah had them do. He had the people work on the part of the wall that was in front of their house. Why? Because it's what they cared about. It's what they cared about. And I wonder what would happen if you and me stopped and we paused and we fasted and we prayed and we said, God, what do you care about? It's my neighbor's. It's not the city. It's, it's not. It's not the city of Philadelphia. It's not the greater Philadelphia area. For me, it's not the creative industry as a whole. It's not that. It's my friends. It's the people that I see at the park. It's the barista of the coffee shop that I go to far too many times. It's my team members. It's my kids' friends on their basketball team. That's what's in front of me. That's what God's calling me to build. That's who God's calling me to fight for. And so it's time for me and it's time for you to pause everything in the midst of a year that we're already halfway through the first month. That's wild, right? We're already there. But before we get too far, to say, God, what do you have for me to do? And so if you would with me, as we end today, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And I just want us to take a minute and I just want us to sit and hear from God. God, what do you have right in front of me? God, what is my purpose? What is my plan? God, what is your will for my life? What is your will that you're calling me to? God, maybe it's speaking to somebody. Maybe it's a gift or a talent that you've given me. Maybe it's a goal that you've set before me. Maybe it's a sacrificial giving that you've called me to do. I don't know what that looks like. But can you pause? Can you decide in this moment? You don't have to decide all of that. Sometimes we put ourselves on. We got one hour to figure all this out. My goodness, that's not how God works. You have all the time in the world to figure that out. But the decision you need to make today is, hey, how do I want to start this year? Do I want to start this year with my plans? Or do I want to start this year with God's plans for my life? And if you chose the latter and you said, I want to start this year with God's plans for my life, then I want to invite you. I want to invite you this week to take some time and to pray and to seek the face of God, I want to invite you to read Nehemiah. I want to invite you to dig into what God called him to do. I want to invite you back next Sunday to pray over everything God has in this next season. What scriptures are you coming with burning in your heart, 
saying, this is what I'm claiming. What are you fasting over? And what are you giving up for the fast? I believe next year is going to mark a lot of things in our lives, personally and collectively. I believe that God is going to do things in us personally that is going to strip away the past as we give that over to him, as we acknowledge that. But I believe that God's also going to lead us into a future that is better than we could have ever dreamed. I am so grateful in my personal life that God has given me what's best for me, not what I thought was best. His best is so much better than what you and I could ever imagine. And so God, right now, we just thank you. We thank you for these moments. We thank you for the way that you've spoken to each of us. God, I pray that you would continue to speak to us this week as we dive into the book of Nehemiah, as we run full force ahead into what you've called us to do, as this space becomes a place of security, a place of belonging, a place of hope, a place of restoration. God, as we move into all of that, I pray that you would stay at the center of it all. God, I pray that you would help us to keep our focus on you. God, we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.